Pat. Um, most of you know me, um, and it is so good to be back here at Lytton Hall. Um, I've been filling in the campus pastor role at Chantilly, and that has kept me away from here way too long. So it's good to be back this morning with my friend Tom. Um, what you may not know about me is um, I grew up in a believing family. Uh, my parents both loved God very much, uh, loved each other very much, and that was a true blessing as they modeled for me uh, what it means to be a Christian man, husband, uh, and father. Um, unfortunately, my friend Tom did not have that blessing uh, growing up. Um, he's a disciple maker, a volunteer leader at the Chantilly campus, um, husband, uh, father of, like I want to say 1.5, like Probably one two. and another on two. the way. It's two. Yeah, it's two. It's absolutely is, so. He is conceived, or they are conceived and being grown. We don't know the gender yet. So. There you go. But <laughs> we'll be here uh, before long. Um, and uh, unfortunately, since he didn't have that model, um, life took him to some pretty dark places before God got a hold of him. And uh, now he is all in. Um, he is committed. Talking about being committed in January, he is committed. I hope so. And is, uh, wants nothing more than to lead his wife and his children um, closer to God. And that's part of what we're going to talk about here this morning. Um, but before we jump in, uh, please pray with me. Um, Father God, Thank you so much for this morning, uh, for the sunshine, uh, for the opportunity that we have to worship you here in this place. Um, God, I pray that you would speak through Tom and I, um, that the word spoken here this morning would honor you and point people to your word, point people to your truth, and uh, help all of us uh, follow you better. Um, God, we dedicate this time to you. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So Tom, as we started talking about talking about parenthood, fatherhood, and <laughs> husband, all that stuff, um, God brought to mind a song. Um, tell us about the song and uh, its relevance here this morning. Yeah, so I think we've all heard the song, right, by Rodney Atkins called Watching You. Like, I'm your little buckaroo, I'm watching you, Dad. And, like, anyone here not hear that yet? Okay, cool. So if you actually, like, review the lyrics of the song, it's really in-depth about the importance of parenthood on the child, right? Like, in the very beginning start, the dad steps on the brakes at a red light. All of a sudden, the kid's chicken nuggets and fries go flying. I'm sure we've all been in that situation. And then the kid happens to say a four-letter S word. And the dad just goes at him and goes, where'd you hear that from? And he goes, I learned it from you, dad. Ain't that cool? I'm your little buckaroo. Well, later on in the song, we actually find the kid is praying on his knees. And the guy, dad like goes, where'd you learn that from? And he goes, I learned that from you, right? And I think the importance of this song, like, you know, even though it's not a Christian song, is it really goes to model, like, the importance of parenthood of the role of a parent in a child's life. So tell us about being dads, imitators of God. Maybe let's kick off in Ephesians 5. Is that where you want to go? Yeah, so for this, right, like uh, a lot of it does come to Ephesians 5, 1, right? Therefore, be imitators of God as dearly beloved children. As God's children, we should be imitating our Heavenly Father. And there's certain things, especially in our child's lives, that we can find that are important um, as we go into this, right, so uh, we head into verses like Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7. For those of you who don't know, for those of you who don't maybe come from a Christian background like me, this is actually a really instrumental verse in shaping what parenthood should look like because it lays out some actually really important responsibilities of a parent. Um, if you don't know, I believe we have the verse. Oh, okay. Go to Deuteronomy Sorry. 6. Yeah. I'm, a little, I'm, a little, I'm a little ahead. I apologize. Um, so from this, right, like if you read it, it says... Uh, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. 
You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. So there's some things that we take away as parents that are critical that we can pull from these, right? The first and foremost is we are in charge of our child's spiritual and physical development. We're in charge of what's going on around them, what's physically happening. We're in charge of their spiritual development and what's going on spiritually. Second, their education. We are called to actually be active in our child's education. And then third, and probably most important and what this conversation is going to primarily focus on is the influence that we are on our child, right? There is something out there influencing your child right now. Whether it's their smartphone, a popular TV series, the Bible, whatever it is, there's something out there fighting for your child's, like, attention, and that influence is what they're going to imitate immediately. And so the question is, what are we imitating as parents? Like, what is influencing us that we're actually bringing into our child's life? Or are they just getting all their influence from social media, from different songs out there nowadays? I think most of us have had that. Uh, Randy At, uh, sorry, what was his name again? Randy <laughs> Rodney, Atkins. Rodney, Rodney Atkins. Atkins. Yes. Sorry, that's why it wasn't working. But moment where we saw our kid do something, and um, we're talking, and I'm, I'm like, yeah, you know, when you when you're not really cursing and you feel pretty good about yourself, but then you hear your kid say that same word, it's like. I don't like that coming from your mouth. <laughs> I feel I'm pretty good, but man, um, you've had that moment with Scarlett as well, but maybe in a positive Yeah, yeah, positive I will definitely way. say, uh, although, yeah, sometime in the Army, I'm sure there's some negative influences that will come out eventually. Um, like, it, yeah, like, for instance, when I was starting to get back into shape, like, it really hit me, this verse, when uh, I started lifting down in my basement. I, I'll take my daughter down in the morning so my wife can have her quiet time. And then I'll just put on, like, some music or whatever, uh, like, listener kids or whatever. So if you've never worked out to, like, your God is so great, like, trust me, brand new thing. Highly recommend. <laughs> um, but, like, seriously, like, I started lifting, and then one day she picks up these two-pound weights, gets on the ground, and starts doing the exact same exercise I'm doing. I've never taught her how to do this. I've never shown her how to do this. She's just watching me. And now she's only, like, two years old at this time uh, and still is only, like, two and some change right now. And so, like, that's, like, that, that's, like, the criticality where this hit. But then it really hit me one moment when my wife texted me, and she goes, I need to let you know what our daughter just did. And I'm like, oh, great. Like, this is it. <laughs> like, my, my child's a wild child. She will climb all over the place. And so I'm like, either we're going to the emergency room or she did something bad, and I need to step down and get my dad's voice on. Um, but, no, it was like, hey, like, your daughter tucked in her uh, baby doll and started praying over her. And I was like, whoa. Like, this is the importance, God. Like, this is how we as children are supposed to be imitating you but also how our children imitate us uh and it really just blew my mind like as we were preparing for this that all this was going on yeah well it seems like marriage is a great place to start uh you and carly carly's his wife how long you've been married uh four years now four years yeah Excellent. Uh, four years this january yeah wonderful so. um seems like marriage is a great place to start talk to us a little bit about why marriage is so important yeah so i think the hard part is with marriage right is it, it is the important part to focus on, like what our children look at, where they see are, are, is a husband and wife modeling the design of marriage that God intended. Are they fulfilling the roles that God designed them to fulfill? Are they being complementarian in this moment? Um, and I, I, w I really want to take it down because like I feel like sometimes we say marriage is sacred and we leave it at that. And we're like, well, the Bible says so. Let me paint a picture for you. Like how many of you guys are married in here? Like can I ask that real quick? <laughs> like, okay, think back to your marriage day, right? Like you had the officiant, right? The officiant symbolically is a representation in that moment. If you, if you had a Christian ceremony, if you had a ceremony that was dedicated to God, the officiant is there symbolically representing God the Father. 
he represents the one who makes the covenant between the two of you. The husband is there to symbolically represent the groom. It's there to, the groom is there, sorry, yeah, he's definitely there to be the groom. He's there to symbolically represent Christ. And the wife represents the church. Well, then guess what? Like, you know, like for those of you who had the privilege of having your dads walk you down, in, in my wife's case, it was her mother, that, that adult, that parent leading you down um, is a symbolic representation of the Holy Spirit guiding you to the groom, guiding you to Christ, guiding you to where the church will love Christ. This is why we hold it in such sacred, like sacredness that we would call it, like I call it a sacrament. It's one of the few three things that I will literally legitimately label as a sacrament. There is a work of God occurring in a marriage, especially a Christian marriage, that is meant to make us set apart from the world. It's meant to make us look different. And, and it's supposed to draw people in because that marriage is going to actually represent Jesus' love for the world. That marriage is going to show three different things to the world that no other marriage really will. It shows Jesus' love brings unity. It shows that Jesus' love is sacrificial. And it shows that it is an exclusive love, that Jesus' love is an exclusive love that is only meant for those in the church. Um, and, and we'll get into these later about how these different roles look, but that, that is the design. That is why it's sacred. That's why it's beautiful. And that's why we as Christians really should hold it and elevate it above where culture says it's now, where it, it, it almost seems as if, and I don't want to smash anyone in culture, but it seems almost as if it's a try it, buy it, you don't like it, get rid of it. And that's just, like, let's face it, that's not how it's meant to run. Like, and I'm, I'm saying that coming from a divorced household. Um, my parents divorced at 14, when I was 14. Um, so that literally is, the, as I've watched culture grow up, like, that's, where, that's where it seems to have gotten to that point. So marriage is supposed to be a reflection of God's love for us, his yes. unconditional love for us, um, our unity with him, the church, uh, the bride of Christ. Um, submitting to Christ, we'll get to that. Um, it really is a a lighthouse um, that's supposed to demonstrate um, to an unbelieving world um, our relationship with God, His relationship with us. Oh yeah, definitely. So very cool. Um, so let's talk about the different roles we find within marriage: husband, wife. I guess we'll start with husband. Might be good. Yeah. Sorry, uh, husband. We, we will start with you guys, right? Like, and I say this as a husband, as someone who's growing in this role and learning it too, it, it's definitely a scary role for us to step into, mm -hmm. right? Um, it is a hard role for a man to step into because there are some things that are heavily required of us. Like, we are required to submit to God, first and foremost, as we lead our families. Um, we're required to take on something that's called, I, I don't know if anyone here has ever heard the word headship. But this is an important word that we are called to take on the headship of our families. And what this essentially means is we are responsible for the decisions our family makes. We are responsible for every single person in our family. Um, I like the way that Renew puts it. Renew.org is a great organization out there. And the way that they put this is simply, headship is a unique God-created authority and responsibility to mimic Jesus, to lead and be a head like Jesus. Headship is how men take responsibility to live out their creative fabric in a Jesus-like way that seeks the benefit of families and the local church and most of all seeks to honor God. We cannot find anything in, anywhere in scripture where a husband is called the leader of his wife. We can, however, find several places where the husband is called the head of his wife. Um, and so what do we take away from these? Like as we break this down, as we break down like various verses and areas in the Bible, is you take a leadership style into your family that Jesus did. Well, how did Jesus lead? He was a servant leader. 
He, he literally sacrificed himself for the church. Um, and that's something we need to be prepared to do, right? Um, we need to be ready to step into this role where we're fulfilling three unique and distinct areas. The, the, I've liked to had it, had it put recently, and I like to always say is, we are a priest for our family, we are a provider for our family, and we are a protector of our family. And so in order to do this, there's five qualities of a biblical man that we need to lead into and we need to lean into mm-hmm. in order to fulfill these, right? Uh, and that is we need to take ownership of the spiritual tone of our house. You are responsible for the spiritual tone of your house. That is where you're taking on the priesthood. You're responsible for the devotional times you're doing. You're responsible for getting everyone to church. You're responsible for making sure people are reading the Bible and actually talking about it. Um, going back into that Deuteronomy verse, right? Like, listen to God, talk to God, be holistically intentional with God uh, and then bring your family into it talk to them about it you also need to reject passivity like Jesus was not passive in anything that he did he was always active he always knew where where he was leading everybody next he always took charge and he led and so that's something we need to do as men too is we need to reject this passivity that society is pushing into men and actually say hey I am in charge I need to take charge and I need to lead We need to embrace service, service to our wives, service to our family. We need to actually be there and serve our church as well. Like, this is extremely important. What we model in this behavior, what we actually go forward and do, helps to actually strengthen everything else that's in there. And then we accept responsibility. Like, if you guys remember, like, I always like pulling men, in this one case, like, back to Genesis. God doesn't go to Eve after biting the apple, right? Who does he go to? He goes to Adam. And he literally begins to have the conversation with Adam. Even though it was Eve who bit the apple, Eve that led Adam into biting the apple, it was Adam who was passively sitting aside and just let it all happen. It wasn't like he was somewhere else in the garden. And so finally, we also need to lead courageously. And I'm going to end it on this one because this is the best way to mimic Christ. You need to be willing to die for your family, both physically and like you need to like figuratively and literally be ready to die for your family. That is a huge call placed on men. It, it's that Ephesians 5.25 um, verse. Um, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. A lot of us know that verse. Maybe we've heard that. But we tend to stop before we read, and gave himself up for her. Um, Jesus literally died for us. Um, he led the church. How, how did he lead the church? Well, he was beaten. He hung on a cross. He died. He set aside everything that was due him and sacrificially laid down his life for you and me. Um, That's very different than the kind of um, model we see in the culture around us. Um, It's very unique, and it begins with Christ's submission to the Father. Um, Christ submitted himself to the Father's will. Um, I I realize I I skipped past this section. You rolled with it. Um, Talk to us a little bit about what biblical submission looks like. And when, (laughs) if our husbands, it starts with us being submissive to the Lord, submitting ourselves to Christ, to the Father. Um, Yeah. Tell us what that means. Yeah. So, of course, I get to take on the big cultural (laughs) submission word. Um, (laughs) So, right, submission has become a bad word in our culture. And and we as Christians need to uh, stop that. We need to nip it in the butt now. Submission, according to the Bible, is not a tight hand clenched, I'm going to beat the crap out of you until you submit to me. It's not a tight hand clenched, do what I say, until, like, do what I say. It is an open-handed invitation. It is a voluntary submission, right? I voluntarily submit myself to God every day. I voluntarily submit myself to my wife's needs every day. 
um, so the Greek, going back to this, and uh, sorry, I'm going to nerd out a little bit. Going back to the Greek, the Greek word is hippotasso. And hippotasso is a voluntary submission that would be in a chain of command for anyone who's been in the military is how when I was in the military, I would voluntarily submit to my leaders. I may not have agreed with them 100%, but I would submit to what they wanted me to do, and I would do it anyways. And that is what we see, is, is a daily waking up and saying, today I will submit, today I will obey, and today I will walk forward. Um, so yeah, I mean, you want me to go any yeah, further? No, that's great. I, <laughs> I, I remember a time in a staff meeting um, when we were talking about this passage and Christ giving himself up for the church and uh, how that's supposed to model um, you know, the husband's role. And Brett asked the question, I can't remember quite how he worded it. He worded it so much better than this. But it was basically, you know, guys, when's the last time you were sacrificing so much for your wife that you felt like you were going to die? Hmm. You know, losing an hour of sleep is not a big deal. Um, taking out the trash is not a big deal. I mean, I could go on example after example, but um, seriously, like, when's the last time that you as a husband felt like you were going to die because you were sacrificing so much uh, for your wife. Hopefully mm-hmm. it's not going to come to literally laying down Hopefully our lives. Not, but Although I think you're right. We should be prepared for that in defense of the women that God's entrusted us. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really the, those day-to-day sacrifices are what we are called to make. Which brings us around to wives. the role of the <laughs> wife. So talk to us about that. Yeah, so first off, ladies, I want to say like awesome. Like we're about to go into biblical understanding of like a woman's complementary role to a man and it is amazing. Um, I want to start off with the best one that I know and actually one that I enrolled into my vows. And so with that, you are a partner and a helper. You are there to help your spouse. Um, in Genesis 2.22, it talks about how Eve is created from Adam's side. And I've always loved how this is described. It's a, she's not made from his feet to be trampled on him. She's not made from his head to be rule over him. She's made from his side to be side by side with him. And in the actual word, the helper, the, the Greek word is ezer. And it's beautiful in this word because two times this word is used to describe Eve. The other, there are 16 other times that this is used, and it's used to describe God. So literally a word used to describe God is also used to describe you. And so I think this is beautiful because it helps to show how we connect and how we work and how we work together to actually rule over and help to submit the earth to what we're supposed to be doing, right? That's what we're called to do in Genesis. That's the commandment of God to men and women is to rule over the earth and subjugate it. Um, and that's what you're there to help us do. And it, it's amazing because like there's a lot of things I'm not gonna lie, like I s- really suck at doing. <laughs> and if my wife wasn't beside me, like with me 100% of the way, like providing counsel, like helping out with certain things. Um, for instance, I would have worn the wrong shoes today. Um, <laughs> like seriously, and, like I, I, I say that funny, but like, you know, like one thing that really helped me was even in our dating relationship, like. I used to not like, and I'm so sorry to the worship team, what I'm about to say, I used to not like worship music. I used to really not understand the purpose of worship until I actually came side by side with my wife, and then she actually helped me to understand and grow in that aspect of my life, and vice versa. I've helped her to grow in understanding of scripture and the importance of scripture in our lives. And so you see, we help each other and we grow together in a, in a very beautiful unison way that like shows how, how we grow together. So talk a little bit about how, um, just just to go into the deep end, that yeah. continuing chain of <laughs> submission. If we're submitting to Christ, what does 
godly submission look like for the wife? When I see, we see this in Ephesians 5, 22 through 24, right? When you begin talking, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Because the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, he is a savior of the body. And so, wives, like, this is what it means. It means that in this moment, you, like, I'm not going to lie on stage, you don't have to agree with his decision 100%. It means what you're saying is you trust he has the best intention for you. You trust that he has the best intention for your family, that he is hearing from God and following along with this. And that is what you're doing in this moment, is, is you are saying, I trust you, and I'm, I'm going to trust you. And it's also then showing that with your actions and your words, right? And I really want to hit on this, too, is it, it's not just saying, I trust you, and then start looking at people and going, like, you know, he made the decision. I don't trust. Like, it's like, it's his decision. Like, no, like, you need to show a, a cohesive effort in this. Like, you need to show that you are together on this. Even if you disagree in private and you bring it to him in private, it's in public you're showing, like, I agree with him. Like, this is, our, this is how our family's going. This is how we're charging head on in the situation. Yeah, I, I so appreciate um, my wife. Um, you know, if we look at that help role, she has made me make so much wiser decisions time and time again. And yet she also says, Pat, it's your decision. I trust God enough that even if you make the wrong decision, God's going to take care of it. Mm -hmm. um, so... Pat, make the best decision you think, and I've got your back. And again, she, she helps me think through stuff, be so much better than I would be on my own. I need her desperately, and yet I carry responsibility at the end of the day. Um, <laughs> here's a tough one, guys. Um, one day, I know I'm going to stand before God, and he's going to say, what did you do with my precious daughter? Hmm. Did you lead her well? And I gave her wisdom, and I gave her insight, and I gave her so many talents. Did you leverage those? Did you take advantage of those in a positive way, or did you shove them aside? But what did you do with my daughter? Yeah, and something Ooh, else. I, I don't want to hang out there too long. Yeah, and something <laughs> else. I, I I will touch really quickly on this too is um, women, and I'm, I'm talking women in general, not just wives here. You are not called to submit to just any man. Like, I want to make that very, very clear. You are called to submit to your husband, not your boyfriend. You're not called to submit to the person you're cohabitating with or any dude who just walks up and tries to use this verse against you. You are only called to submit to your husband and only your husband when he's not leading you to sin. <laughs> so that being said, too, like, husbands, make sure you're not leading your wives into sin. Uh, there's a lot in the Bible on that. I won't even bother touching on that. <laughs> but there's a lot on leading people into sin, so be careful. Yeah. And hopefully, if the husband is submitting himself well to Christ, this becomes an easy task. Mm -hmm. um, so let's talk about children a little bit. Okay. So this, can, this I talk one more, can I talk about one more thing, though? Yeah, go for okay, it. Okay, so women, you're also called to be the nurturer and the counselor. Like, mm. I want to leave you on, like, a really cool thing besides just submission. Yeah. Um, no, you're actually, like, called to nurture the relationship. Mm. The, like, uh, it was said by the officiant of our wedding our relationship would bloom or die based off the love that Carly helped to produce. And that is, like, that is extremely true. She nurtures our relationship in a way, and she nurtures our child in a way that I would never be able to. Um, and there's so beauty in that, but there's also the fact that you are a counselor. Um, the Bible has a really beautiful verse, and like, I really wanted to make sure, that's why I want to make sure I touch mm -hmm. on this. Um, 
it's Proverbs 12.4, and it, it elevates the woman to an area of that even society doesn't elevate her to, right? In today's society, they, people talk about the woman being like the neck because she controls the head, and it's like a thing of control. But in Proverbs 12.4, we see the woman elevated to being a crown on her husband. Mm. She's elevated to this position that displays the majesty and the rank of her husband. Um, and I think it's beautiful because the verse actually also goes on to say, your words are either going to hurt your husband or they're going to help him. And I can promise you that's, that's really extremely true. I watch words that hurt a husband in a relationship. I've also watched wives like mine who really help to build and nurture through moments. And that is what, that's what you're there to do is provide counsel, help, so that when your husband is making the decisions for the family, he can know he's making the best decisions possible. You know, we're... Um, as we're talking about this, I'm, I'm reminded of my parents, and you know, I, I said that they both loved Jesus, they both loved each other, and um, my dad modeled for me what it looks like to submit to Christ, to lead the family well, to love my mom. Um, much of my um, definition in my head of what it means for me to be a godly, godly husband came from watching my dad, um, watching my mom gave me the opportunity to see, okay, this is the kind of wife I should be looking for. Um, she modeled who I should look for as a um, partner for the rest of my life, as a helper for the rest of my life, as a crown for the rest of my life. Um, and now we're doing that for our son. Um, we're modeling for him what a godly relationship looks like. Um, I guess I'm going the long way around to say, um, you know, one of the things we said this morning as we were reviewing this, because um, we, we need to get to children, um, <laughs> how can our children learn to submit to God if they don't see us submitting to God, um, if they don't see um, wives following their husbands, um, if they can't see this in relationships they can see, how are they going to be able to live it out in relationships they can't see? Mm -hmm. um, we need to model for them in tangible ways what we expect from them intangibly. So maybe I just answered the question, but talk a little bit about kids. No, so yeah, so uh, extremely right. Like kids, your, your job in the relationship of a family, like your role in your design is to learn. Um, eventually, if you're a son, you're going to become a man. And then eventually as a man, you're going to become a husband, hopefully, right? Like it's a good thing for a husband to find a wife. Um, daughters, event, like I, I say this as a father, like <laughs> eventually you are going to become a wife and your dad is going to have to eventually, sorry. Whew, this is, I don't get emotional about too many things. <laughs> this is the one thing I get emotional about. Um, eventually your dad is going to have to trust you to another man. And that's why this is extremely important. That boy that I'm talking to is about to become a man. He needs to understand the roles of what a biblical man looks like there's eventually a man who's going to hand you, hand you his daughter, uh, and not just an earthly father, but a heavenly father, hopefully, who will be handing you his daughter and saying, I trust you with her. And that is an extremely scary moment for us as fathers who have daughters. Um, it is probably one of the few things that I pray for constantly is that my daughter, whoever her husband is to be, is currently work in a godly family or somehow God is working in his life too that he encounters him and that he understands what it means to be a biblical man mm -hmm. um, and with that the same like you're called to, like as Pat was saying you're called to submit to your parents 
Um, you, it is the one commandment in the Bible that actually has a blessing, and it is honor thy mother and father, and you will live a long life. Um, probably because they won't be threatening me like my parents did to also <laughs> take me out of the world. But um, that also being said, you have a response. You have a cool responsibility that I'm going to tell you you have right now, and your parents will probably hate me later for it. You have a responsibility to hold your parents to the standards that we've been talking about mm. today. You have a responsibility that if you see your parents acting in an ungodly way, politely call them out. Like, don't just call them out, but politely, like, be like, hey, I saw this today. Like, that doesn't really drive with the Bible. Like, can we talk about this, right? And then that's a beautiful moment for us as parents to humble ourselves and apologize to a child and say, you're right. I did not model this, mm -hmm. and I am sorry for that. Um, so there's beautiful moments in all that. Absolutely. I, when I think about humbly challenging someone, I think of three magic words. Help me understand. Mm -hmm. Help me understand why this when Scripture says that. So unfortunately, though, so yeah. in, in the ideal world, we have husband, husband wife, wife. We get blessed with yeah. children, uh, many of us. Um, uh, sometimes that chain is broken and we don't have a husband and a wife who love each other very much or we have a spouse who is unbelieving mm -hmm. and not cooperative yeah. uh, in this so talk to that um so yeah so uh, unfortunately yeah this isn't the way it works out right like sometimes i come from a single parent household um, i was raised mostly by my dad um, that being said if it's broken if you're in that situation one i want you to know we're praying for you um, if you're a godly woman who has a child right now i hope you find a godly husband if you're a, a single father, I hope you find a godly wife, and we will be praying for you. But also, please come to us as a church. Let us help you. That is our job as a church body. We are to be there together for each other. We are a family. Like, I, I want to make this very, very clear. We come here on Sundays. It's not supposed to stop on Sundays. Um, I have plenty of people from my church side. In fact, a few of them are in the crowd today where I know I can trust my daughter with them. Um, but if you're a single parent, like, please build these relationships. If you're a part of the church and you see someone struggling, you see someone who just needs the help, whether it's they're working double shift and they just need someone to watch their kids, offer. Offer to bring them a meal. Like, if you know they're going through school or something like that, please just be there for them. Like, that's our job as the church. If you're an older man, discipleship. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're an older woman, discipleship. Like, that is also what we're called to do for those that we see, right? We're called to disciple them and help them. Um, and that's an extremely important part in all of this. And as for the unbelieving spouse, um, we, we have Bible verses on this, right? Like if your spouse, if you're, if you have an unbelieving spouse, like just keep going. I, I've, I've recently dealt with this too, where I had a woman come to me and her husband wasn't a believer. Like I just bought his Bible for the first, like bought his very first Bible. And I'm so happy in the conversations we're having. He's still not a believer, but he at least, he has started taking steps towards the Lord. Um, so please be encouraged to keep going keep showing him love, submit to him when appropriate. Um, if he asks you to do anything against the Bible, that's when you say, hey, I can't do that. It's against God's law. It's against God's word, and that's fine. But also depend on us at the church, please. Prayer is an extremely powerful weapon that none of us dip into. Um, let us be praying over you. Let us be praying for you. Let us serve you as the church. Um, and then with that too, uh, just uh, with that verse, I really want to annotate this too. Like, that's not about an unbelieving boyfriend. That's about an unbelieving spouse. Um, if you have an unbelieving boyfriend, just cut it right now. Like, I'm just going to put it at that and we'll leave it for another t another discussion at a later point. Or if you want to talk more, I'll be back at the prayer banner after this. But I if you have an unbelieving 
other who's not married through a covenant covenantal relationship cut it get rid of it you're unevenly yoked it's not worth the time um we need to land this plane yep. um so let's talk about uh, intimacy with christ and how that starts what are some practical next steps you would encourage us to do as parents yeah so with that i want to take us back to that deuteronomy 6 verse right when you really break that down and digest that there's four things we can do so the first is to be intentionally intimate with god it's to actually give him your time to actually read scripture memorize scripture talk scripture wherever you are bring it into your conversation even at your work like i mean it like in the places you're most afraid to bring scripture bring scripture in um because you just don't know the impact it's going to have but also when you bring god into these moments um he's there he will reward that he will draw closer to you um and that's extremely important especially when we're with our families like over the dinner dining room table wherever you are just start talking about scripture with your kids like just like it's nothing and then eventually you'll see they start talking about scripture right and then eventually maybe they bring a friend to church or something and it's awesome um with that be relationally close to god like if you see it like it's when you sleep when you walk by the way when you're at home it's not oh just on sundays and sunday mornings it's legitimately throughout the week god wants to be with you so bring him into these moments right he wants to be in every environment every moment in time every situation that you're in good or bad he's there for you um and so do that. Bring him into it. Pray him into the situation. Ask him, hey, like, I'm having a tough time at work with that coworker. Please help me out. Um, this place feels like it, it's just crushing me. Like, please, Lord, help me. Show me why you have me here. And also, be, ho like, be holistically intentional with God and your family. Like, I want to say this right now. Like, this is a key thing that's extremely important and that I'm slowly learning. Um, give God your time, your space, and your tongue. Um, with that last one, extremely important. I, I learned that lesson very hard. I used to swear like a sailor, and now I'm very careful about the words I choose and I use um, because I represent God as an ambassador to the world. But also, like, I, you know, when I'm angry with God, sometimes it will slip out, and it will slip out in prayer. Um, and I'm being holistically intentional with God. I'm bringing him into this relational proximity. I'm like, I'm your son. I'm angry. Help me out. Mm -hmm. um, he wants to be there. But then at the same time, right, you have a God. You have a heavenly father. Let me, let me break it down this way. You have a heavenly father who, when you go to him, he picks you up and he listens. Mm -hmm. He talks, like, he will talk back to you. Like, maybe not verbally, but, like, he will guide you. Um, there, and he will break space and time for you. And I, I promise you that. Like, if you pray, if you come into that relation with him, he will come back and respond. Um, and we as fathers, we as husbands, uh, as, as wives, as mothers, should be like that with our children. Um, I'm extremely intentional that if I'm not too busy, even if my daughter just burst through the office door, I will turn around and hug her because I want her to know that her father loves her. And I see that I clocked that in mind, so I knew this was going to happen. Uh, finally, be courageous and display that countercultural bravery. Mm -hmm. um, we are called to be ambassadors of Christ, and we are called not to fear anything. So model Christ-like behavior for your child. Emphasize biblical truth. Um, too often, especially in this world of all truths matter, all, like all truths are truths, that's not true. <laughs> Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth, Jesus is the life. Um, and we can't compromise on that. That's and funny. When uh, my mom would say, if everyone jumped off a cliff, would you jump off a cliff? Um, you know, these days, holy cow, the culture is so anti-everything we've just talked about. Yeah. Um, Diving into it. It seems all the... Gosh, I just want to say, don't do what 
everyone else is doing. Well, even even resist, and that goes into the third point and the final one, and the, the one that's extremely important because it bleeds back into everything we've been talking about, resisting the influence of the world on your mm -hmm. lives. Mm -hmm. Like, it's really scary, but I looked at the top five, like, earlier this week, and I asked Pat, then I just took it out because I was actually going to quote some songs from stage because if you can't hear them from stage, your kids probably shouldn't be listening to them. <laughs> um, but the top five songs in America, go look at them. The top five 100 Billboard songs, excluding all Christmas songs because it's December, um, some of the lyrics in them are really concerning because some of them talk about a male singer who's willing to slap and choke women um yeah what no Can we just say they're horrific yeah oh yeah oh yeah. yeah horrible but again if you're not willing to hear it from the stage your kid probably shouldn't be listening to it right so, so. watch their media consumption anyway we need to wrap up thanks tom um why don't you take us to the foot of the cross seems like yeah. a uh, so great place to go yeah, we'll be entering into communion now. So if you guys want to grab your elements, um, if you're not a believer and you just didn't grab your elements, like just take this time to meditate. Um, so for those of you who don't know, we take communion every Sunday when we meet. And each, each element, is, this is a command by Christ. Um, I talked about things I consider sacraments. This is one of the sacraments that I consider is communion. Um, mostly because when we take of this, of this wafer, this nice little wafer that's under this top part, um, it's a, it's a symbolic representation of Christ's body, of the body that was broken for us, the body that was pierced for us, the body that was mocked. And when we take of it, we're called to remember him, remember what he came to do for us, what he taught us. He is the bread of life, and in this moment, he is nourishing us. And in this moment, we are in this moment of communion, we're being connected with every Christian. This is something we all do, no matter our denomination, our leaning, our background. So as you take of the wafer, please remember his body. Remember what he went through for you, what he came to teach you, and how he nourishes you every day. And then, of course, as we take of the juice, um, it, it is a reminder of the blood. The blood that was spilled for us in our sinful natures, the blood that cleanses us and keeps us clean and helps to reunite us with God. So I'll give you about a m couple minutes to just reflect and think and take. Um, take when you're ready, please, and then we'll pray out and come up and worship band with a song. Lord, thank you for today. Uh, thank you for just this uh, time to speak your word and just to um, grow closer to you, Lord, to help imitate you better as our Father. Help us to walk out of here, Lord, to be imitations of you as we go into the world, to draw on you for strength and nourishment and necessity. Thank you for sending your Son. And thank you for just doing something none of us could do, Lord. It's in your son's name we pray these things. Amen.